Swifties, and welcome back to Further Explanation, the Taylor Swift podcast. There may be no further explanation by Taylor, but there will be from us. My name is Callie. And I'm Kaya. And we are the Swifty Sisters. <laughs> welcome to the Speak Now Taylor's Version review episode of the podcast. We are going to discuss the album, how it differs from the original Speak Now which tracks we feel were improved upon and which maybe not so much, the fever dream that was the Kansas City shows. And stick around for the end because we're going track by track through the vault to share our thoughts. And we are watching the I Can See You video back together on the podcast to discuss the iconic visual masterpiece of this video. Thank you so much to everyone listening and everyone subscribed to this podcast. We are about to hit 3,000 total streams which is crazy. The podcast is so much fun for us to record, but it does take a lot of time and energy. So if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and hit subscribe, follow us on your podcast platform. And for our Spotify listeners, you can tap the plus sign to add this episode to your saved episodes if you can't listen right away and you don't want to miss a second of this episode. So do that. And let's just get right into it, shall we? This was a really special release because Kaya and I were together to listen to this for the first time. And if you are part of the further explanation, if you are a <laughs> an avid listener of the podcast, then you know that me and Kaya have a very deep special love for Speak Now, the album and the era. And so this was just like a magical, wonderful time. Yeah, and we've been waiting for this for so long. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but... Quite literally. Let's start by reading the album prologue that Taylor wrote for us. I'll try to go quickly through it because it is lengthy. <laughs> it is lengthy. But at least she did something to make it seem like she cared. <laughs> because with the post, I was like, is that really all we're going to get? <laughs> but I kind of like that she kept it. She kept it for the real fans who would read that. I kind of like that. I hope that she continues to do that for the rest of these. Like just a mm -hmm. short one for social media, but then she gives... The long, just leaves the long one, saves it for the mm -hmm. actual release of the album. Because I like that. I like having something new to read mm -hmm. like with the album. So she says, when I think back on the Speak Now album, I get a lump in my throat. I have a feeling it will always be that way because this period of time was so vibrantly aglow with the last light of the setting sun of my childhood. I made this album completely self-written between the ages of 18 and 20. I've spoken about how I feel like those ages are the most emotionally turbulent ones in a person's life. Maybe when I say that, I'm really just talking about myself. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's, that's all of us. I think they might just be the most idealistic, hopeful years, too. At this point in my life, I had released my second album, Fearless. It became the breakthrough moment I'd always dreamt of, one that catapulted my career to new realms of success. It had brought with it a tidal wave of pressures and pitfalls and growing pains, all the while, I was encountering the milestones and checkpoints of normal teenage growth. I had cataclysmic crushes and brushes with heartache. I moved out of my parents' house and set my bags down in a new apartment. I hung photos on my own walls and decorated the space where I would sob and cackle and shatter and dream. Sometimes I felt like a grown-up, but a lot of the time I just wanted to time travel back to my childhood bed where my mom would read stories to me until I fell asleep. In my darker moments, I was tormented by the doubt that swirled loudly around my ascent and my merits as an artist. 
I was trying to create a follow-up to the most awarded country album in history while staring directly into the face of intense criticism. That part was really interesting to me because as I was re-watching all of these Speak Now era videos when she announced Speak Now TV, I was kind of watching them in a new light, you know, being able to, to watch these interviews and listen to her talk about Speak Now and the process of making this album, having you know, matured. I'm older now. I'm not 11 like I was when the album originally came out. <laughs> We've gotten to see the trajectory of her career and where she went after Speak Now. There were hints of her talking about feeling nervous that this was something she had not only written by herself, but it was, you know, the follow-up to Fearless, which was so successful. And I think it it's just made more sense to me why Speak Now didn't get nominated for Album of the Year. But Red did, and why that loss felt so <laughs> devastating to her. Because she felt like, okay, Speak Now didn't get nominated. Fine. Red did get nominated, but then I lost. Like, it just really crushed her. Because I think she felt like she just couldn't quite reach that peak that she had met with her second album. You know? When she was 18. <laughs> yeah. Which is what the Grammys wanted. They wanted to be like, oh yeah, you're this young prodigy. We all love you. And then you're done. <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah, it's, I kind of didn't realize when I was a kid how many eyes were on her during Speak Now. Because I didn't even, mm. I, I wasn't really aware of like the album of the year and all that stuff and how big that was. And I wasn't aware that Fearless was the most awarded country album of all time when I was a kid. I was just like, oh my God, this Speak Now album, this is so, so amazing. And it felt like it was made for us. And it's a very odd album for an artist to make coming off of such a successful album and a popular album like Fearless because it wasn't trying to outdo Fearless at all mm -hmm. or be more popular than Fearless at all. It was really just about proving her work and proving that it wasn't a fluke how good Fearless was. She could make something that was good, not necessarily critically or commercially successful mm -hmm. the same way, but she wanted to show that her creative tendencies could sustain her. You know, it wasn't just, oh, I made this really good album and everything's going to be downhill from there. I have been widely and publicly slammed for my singing voice and was first encountering the infuriating question that is unfortunately still lobbed at me to this day. Does she really write her songs? Spoiler alert, I really, really do. In the years since, I've developed a thicker skin about public criticism and the cynicism with which some people approach the music I make. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> At that time, it leveled me. I had these voices in my head telling me that I had the perfect chance, and I blew it. I hadn't been good enough. I'd given it all and had been found wanting. I wanted to get better, to challenge myself, and to build on my skills as a writer, an artist, and a performer. I didn't want to just be handed respect and acceptance in my field. I wanted to earn it. To try and confront these demons, I underwent excessive vocal training and made a decision that would completely define this album. I decided I would write it entirely on my own. I figured they couldn't give all the credit to my co-writers if there weren't any. But that posed a new challenge. It really had to be good. If it wasn't, I would be proving my critics right. I had no idea how much this pain would shape me, that this was the beginning of my series of creative choices by reacting to setbacks with defiance. That is so interesting that she's aware of that <laughs> and that she would talk about it publicly. Well, we've heard her talk about that in her Billboard One of the Year in 2019. She talked about like, they said I couldn't write, so I yeah. wrote Speak Now by myself. They said that I, I don't know, her <laughs> read the red thing. But then I remember after read, it was like, they said that I was writing too much about heartbreak. Okay, I'll make an album about being single in New York with my friends. 
And like, she just did that for a long time. I had no idea how much this pain would shape me, that this was the beginning of my series of creative choices made by reacting to setbacks with defiance, that my stubbornness in the face of doubters and dissenters would become my coping mechanism through my entire career from that point forward. This exact pattern of enacting my own form of rebellion when I feel broken is exactly why you're reading these very words and I'm re-releasing this album now. I went through my first worldwide scandal, the mic grab scene around the world. So funny to have her address that. because she was so silent on it when it happened. I experienced the weirdness of trying to get to know a boy while a swarm of paparazzi surrounded the car. Taylor. Media contacting my publicist for an official statement on why two teenagers broke up. Which, oh, is that the beat Joe Jonas? I feel like these are weird experiences to have at any age, but even more surreal when you're 19. I had the nagging sense that in the most intense moments of my life, I had frozen. I had said nothing publicly. I still don't know if it was out of instinct, not wanting to seem impolite or just overwhelming fear, but I made sure to say it all in these songs. I decided to call the album Speak Now. It was a play on the Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace moment in weddings, but for me, it symbolized a chance to respond to the chatter and commentary surrounding my own life. Some of these emotional revelations were surprising to people. Some expected anger and instead got compassion and empathy with Innocent. Ugh, my heart. Some expected a kiss-off breakup song, but instead got a hand-on-heart apology back to December. It was an album that was the most precious to me because of its vast extremes. It was unfiltered and potent. And I love the way she described that, unfiltered and potent. In my mind, the saddest song I've ever written is Lost Kiss. My most scathing is Dear John, and my most wistfully romantic is Enchanted. When you and I read this, we were like, well, I said, prove it. So she... So she is aware that Speak Now is her magnum opus, but she still treats it the way that she does. <laughs> That's what gets me. <laughs> but then I was like, maybe she's trying to gatekeep it. <laughs> but obviously not, because she's re-recording it and re-releasing it and trying to get it to number one or whatever, but you know. <laughs> I'll be forever proud of setting a goal and seeing it through. I'll always feel shivers. I love this part. I'll always feel shivers all over when I remember singing Long Live to close the show every night mm-hmm. on tour. The outstretched hands of those bright and beautiful faces of the fans. Mm. Their support was like an open palm that reached out and helped me up off the ground when others were, frankly, mean. <laughs> These days, I make my choices for those people. Sorry if you weren't there. She isn't making her choices for you. <laughs> the ones who thought... <laughs> the ones who thought I had been good enough all along. I try to speak my mind when I feel strongly. In the moment, I feel it. I'm still idealistic and earnest about the music I make, but I'm less crushed when people mock me for it. I know now, though. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm trying I can't even say it with the straight face. <laughs> I know now that one of the bravest things a person can do is run. Just kidding. Is create something with unblinking sincerity. To put it, did you get that? Yes. <laughs> Don't okay. wait a second to process what you said. <laughs> with unblinking sincerity, to put it all on the line. I still sometimes wish I was a little kid again in a tiny bed before I ever grew up. Oh. I always looked at this album as my album, and the and then the rest of it is you know the stuff that we know. Mm. The best thing that's ever been mine, yours, Taylor. Mm. So much is said there, yeah. and it really does harken back to the original Speak Not prologue to me. Mm-hmm but just in different ways. The original Speak Now prologue was a lot about the feeling of wanting to say how you feel when you know how you feel and the mm-hmm. lessons she learned in that. Whereas this prologue is a lot more about the hindsight that she has mm-hmm. looking back on that time. Yeah, reflecting on it with totally new experiences. 
Absolutely beautiful. I love that. I love the photo shoot. I love the little ballet slippers and flats she wears. <laughs> and there was one photo mm-hmm. where they she was wearing the pink dress and they edited it to make it look like she was had a painted on purple dress and it literally looked like a perfect album cover. It had like a like an off-white background and she had the dress was moving in the same way. <sighs> I wish mm-hmm. they had chosen that for the album cover. We'll put that picture on our Instagram if you want to look at it, but I do really like that that photo. I mean, I'm okay with the cover she chose. Like, I, I do kind of like it. <laughs> I do kind of like it. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds that sounds way worse than how I actually feel about it. It's because I do love the one that you're talking about. I think that that would have made a really good cover too. But I can see why for her, the one she chose was more fitting. But like, if we're being honest, I wish she would have just literally recreated the original. Well, that's cover. basically what that photo was. Because it was a bit. It was not a, just a empty pose a recreation it, it had like the mm-hmm. movement it had the heart you know yeah it was really pretty and i'm excited to see the album shoots she does for the rest of the re-recordings moving forward mm-hmm. yeah this was the best photo shoot so far probably all right let's talk about the agency being present in a lot of this album actually as they should yeah they pretty much fully reprised their roles in these songs like Amos and Paul were playing their instruments and Paul was singing backup vocals and Liz Hewitt and Caitlin, like they are all on these songs. But uh, that just like, uh, it just makes it feel... You have to have them on ensemble the cast. She never, it's a modern Taylor thing to do that she like does her own background vocals and has no one else on the song, no other little like textures on the song, but just her. Unless there's obviously a feature. And then they go crazy with the background vocals. <laughs> Only background vocals. But you need the band. You need the agency. I love them. They were the fabric of the Speak Now album and era. And you need them all. I said the other day that I think they should be on the vault tracks. Because it would make it feel way more Speak Now. And the fact that she does her own background vocals on the vault tracks, it just seems like a modern Taylor song. Because those are key parts of her songs, to have those background vocals. That's when you know that it's an old Taylor song. (laughs) But she's just so... She's got a death grip on that microphone. (laughs) And (laughs) will not let anyone near it. (laughs) It's very odd. (laughs) If if there were ever a time to do that again and have your old background vocalist on a song, it would be the songs you were going to record for Speak Now. I also thought that um, for the I Can See You music video, I thought maybe they should have been in it too. I feel like it'd be so Mm. cool to have the agency breaking her out. Oh my god. Why didn't she think of that? <laughs> I like the that she had the people in her video and Taylor Lautner. I think that was really cute too, but I feel like the agency should have also Definitely. been there. If anyone should have been, if, if I only had to choose one group of people, it would be the agency because they were the ones that were fighting dragons with her. I love Joy King <laughs> and Taylor Lautner too. They are great choices, but it just feels more like to the sentiment of the album and more like true to the album to have the agency. And you can have both. Yeah. Have the agency fighting mm-hmm. people off. <laughs> like if it had gone the same way that it started and Joey King and Taylor Lautner were in there and then maybe they were fighting people off while the agency was like, they started and then the agency picked up where they left off and like got her out of the vault. Mm-hmm. And then they all left because like Taylor Lautner, he needs to be fighting people, obviously. Yeah. The only reason I can really think that she would do that instead is that, I mean, they're obviously famous and they have people that care, people care, like, you know, general public 
He's like, oh my god, Taylor Lautner's in a Taylor Swift music video. Obviously, that'll get views. <laughs> but the agency definitely should have been involved. That choice would have been more for The fans us. and the history of the actual album and what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I love that Joey King was in it because, like, we'll touch on it when we get to the end of the episode and we rewatch and we rewatch the video. It was really special to have her breaking Taylor out because in the mean video, like we talked about in our Speak Down Music video episode, which if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. Um, and then you'll kind of understand more of what I'm saying here. But Joey King represented those little girls who grew up with Taylor. And to have her breaking her out of the vault, like that moment when she gets out, she sees, I don't know, it just, ugh, it ripped my heart out. I like having Joey too. I just think the agency deserved to be there. Okay, we're going to get into the re-recorded tracks. The original 14. So just like top of the iceberg or tip of the (laughs) iceberg here, she enunciates a little too much. I feel like she focuses too hard on enunciating rather than letting her emotion shine through. Because that is and has always been what is so special and great about Taylor's voice is that she can translate so much emotion in a song and with the re-recording it's a bit hit and miss whether she will go there emotionally in the track or not and so that's kind of the same personality with the re-recordings you can hear the difference in the songs that taylor sings passionately and really gets into and the songs that she's just singing and isn't as emotionally invested in which is funny because that's always been what we loved about her but like with most of these re-recordings, she sings them technically well, and you can really hear her vocal improvement, but the emotion and the feeling she had in the originals just isn't consistently present on every single song. And someone pointed this out on Twitter. She, When she sings the surprise songs, she can have, like, she channels that emotion really easily, and it's pretty much always present there. But I feel like she maybe just feeds off the crowd or, like, the energy of being on stage is... She just can't harness that when she's re-recording. And I get it that it's a lot of songs to re-record and like I do understand it, but it's just something I wish that she would channel a little bit more. But I will say, I think that of the three re-recordings we have so far, I think Speak Now is the most consistent top to bottom. Read a lot of the pop songs, just like I don't listen to, I will not listen to the Taylor's versions of I Knew You Were Trouble or never ever but the vault is the vault is really strong but like there's a lot of not just like oh this one's good but it's not as as personal to me as the original but there's like misses like slanders (laughs) like in cold blood murdered on the original track list but whereas speak now is just like pretty consistent and it calls into question like why like if you're gonna put so much effort into this and so much time into it why not do your best (laughs) work make sure that it's good (laughs) but just a disclaimer here i know there's a lot of fans who are like pitchforks after people who stream the new or the old versions but you just have to understand how rich she is and how rich scooter is and it really makes no difference and that's just a disclaimer because i listen to the old versions just because it's just it seems ridiculous to ask a bunch of fans to ignore their favorite childhood, most sacred sacred childhood music, just so we don't give our pennies to the wrong, extremely rich person. Just a disclaimer. Um, so whenever I'm talking about these, it's it's just, 
I I can't. I can't listen to. I can't not listen to the original songs. The original Taylor, the young Taylor, who wrote these songs and made these songs. That would just be crazy to me. <laughs> so and I think life is too short to not listen to the art that you want to listen to and not consume the art that you prefer. <laughs> yeah. Like this is how Kaya and I view the re-recordings. Is it is a nostalgic treat. It's like a little. Mm-hmm. Walk down memory lane. I love to hear to Taylor, new Taylor. We record <laughs> these albums, like in full production, remake these old songs that we grew up with. That is so special. But they're not replacements. They're just no. like additions to me. Yeah. Some of them, like some of them, I I have kind of replaced. Like I almost do Taylor's version and read Taylor's version. Those two songs kind of have replaced the originals for me. But it's like. It's up to her. If she wants me to replace them, then she's going to put the emotion in her vocals. You know, she's going to really outdo herself in the original. And if she doesn't, then it's just going to be an extra version of the song that I have to listen to. And I get to choose, mm-hmm. do I want the original one that I grew up with? Is that what I want to hear? Or do I want to hear new Taylor singing this yeah. right now? Like, what am I in the mood for? Exactly. It's my choice mm-hmm. as a listener and the beholder of this art. Because mm-hmm. we were there from the beginning. I can see, like new fans like you don't really have a reason to listen to the old one if you don't have any emotional attachment to it but um the ones who are there through it all it's just it's kind of ridiculous to expect it's an impossible ask yeah and it's just like what are what are our priorities here (laughs) why is that a moral dilemma it's not (laughs) listening to the originals doesn't negate your support of the re-recording project like i can cheer on taylor while she's doing this and i will like i bought the Speak Now Taylor's version CD. I'm supporting this project I because I... Because <laughs> I, we already bought them the first time. <laughs> that's your choice, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, if that's how you feel, that's fine. She doesn't this is how need I feel. I'm going to buy a copy <laughs> of these albums because that's how I feel. I would like to have a copy of them. I want a physical copy of the vault track specifically. Mm-hmm. These are new Taylor songs that I want to physically own. Mm-hmm. So no one can take them away from me ever. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they're not replacements to me. They're just not... No. But um, hey, it's having a good impact because it seems like a lot of young artists are more intent on owning their own work. So that's yeah. good. Let's talk about what tracks, because we don't need to go track by track individually. Um, if you want to hear us do that, then go listen to Speak Now, Taylor's Magnum Opus episode, mm-hmm. um, which is one of our most listened to episodes. It is a gem. <laughs> but we're going to kind of get into the flops and the superstars of the original uh, tracks do you want to just address if this was a movie being off? Like, do you I mean, want to that's just, just ridiculous. That it's absolutely ridiculous. And <laughs> literally, I just said, because PopBase tweeted, Speak Now, Taylor's version is completely self-written, just like the original 2010 album. And I was like, she literally murdered if this was a movie in front of our very eyes, just so she could have that be a tweet. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Yeah. No one cares. We all know you wrote this album yourself. This is your re-release mm. with a bunch of vault songs that didn't even make the cut. Like... Oh, shoo. Shoo, she's got issues. <laughs> but that song is a Speak Now Target Deluxe Edition track, and it belongs on the album. I don't care. <laughs> it is just, it's just so weird that it's not on the album. Like, when Kai and I listened to the album for the first time, we listened to it. This was a movie Taylor's version in its rightful place because it's just weird that it's not there. And it proves that she does not have such a sacred holding of these albums as we do (laughs) you know it's not weirdly in her hands it's not in the safest care (laughs) 
because she does things like this. And it's so... She has to let the album be what it was. She She's just such a control freak that she feels like she has to do every yeah. little... And it's just like, you now are not the same person as you then. And you, who are you to say what you think matters more than what you already did? <laughs> God, that's so annoying. <laughs> Kaya, do you want to talk about the Spotify thing? Because if any of you don't know yeah, this already... There were, there were some complaints. I mean, we literally went through every song. We went, we played. Callie did a little game where she played me like the beginning of one Taylor's Taylor's version, then the beginning of a non-Taylor's version, and I guessed them all correctly, like every single one in a matter of seconds. But um, weirdly, all the Taylor's versions were quieter, at the same vault level mm-hmm. of volume. So um, and I said this to Callie before I saw this on Twitter, but Spotify is weird about that stuff and. Especially if you're like a small artist, audio normalization will kill you and it'll make all your music sound so small and quiet. But yeah, if you turn off audio normalization, it will make them sound louder. So definitely do that. And probably should do that anyways, because audio normalization is pretty stupid. (laughs) Because I had to turn it off when I was recording my album. I turned it off in my settings while recording and like while converting it to files. I had to turn that off. Uncompressed is what you want for a music file. But Spotify does it anyway, which is so annoying. Well, speaking of your album, uh, Kaya actually wrote, recorded, and produced and mixed her own album. It's Kaya's Speak Now album. (laughs) Completely Kaya, completely self-written. And it is very Speak Now influenced. So if you like Speak Now, you should stream Kaya's album. It's called The Pink Room and it's on Spotify. (laughs) and all streaming platforms. And I will put a link to it in this episode description. So you should definitely go listen to it. I get a call out in one of the songs. <laughs> Thanks. She says, my sister. So <laughs> just just so you know. <laughs> but anyway. So, so let's just talk about the flops and the superstars. Yeah. Um, also, I want to say, I think we made a mistake because we listened to this on my phone. Well, we first listened to it on my laptop. We listened to mine on my laptop and then we moved to my phone. And I just think that was a bad idea. I think you need to listen to the Taylor's versions first with headphones on to like really mm-hmm. grasp what is happening. Because I was like, uh, what am I hearing? This is not <laughs> this is not jiving with me. Yeah. Sparks Fly was the first one where we were like, ooh. <laughs> Her voice sounded weird. The production sounded weird. And that's another thing. Her voice did sound weird in a lot of these songs. It sounded odd. And it's just because I were mm-hmm. so used to hearing the original albums, like, drilled into yeah. our brains, every little enunciation, every little tone of her voice. So it's weird to hear her sing it, and she doesn't have the same memorization that we do even. So mm-hmm. so a lot of stuff she's doesn't, she just doesn't think to have in her mind while she's recording that we would well something i wanted to say about that is that is something that i think i am learning about the re-recordings is that especially at first and especially the older ones and maybe even the newer ones like who knows i don't know we'll see when we get there Mm -hmm. but because we have had so much time with these albums and because it's so deeply ingrained in my brain exactly what her voice sounds like at every single second Mm. which like i know that's kind of crazy like that's a little crazy of us to care so deeply about that but like whatever it's actually not because that's the music we love (laughs) anyway i think as time goes on with the re-recordings like as we have more time i'll be able to separate the original from the re-recording and i can appreciate how the re-recording sounds for what it is Mm -hmm. 
and know that it's not replacing the original because there are a couple of things that are very different and there are a couple of things that are really close, but like a, just a couple different lines sound different that she changed. And it's like, okay, this isn't necessarily bad. Like it's not objectively bad. If this has been the original way she sang it, I wouldn't dislike it, but, but it's not, it's not the original <laughs> way she sang it. So I have an attachment to the original way she sang it. And what's funny is in a few years, this won't be the new version. This will be like the a few years ago version. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this will age too. And that's what's funny mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, I mean, the, the album is not just reputation where it's like, I have a very strong attachment to it. It's it's literally the album that informed my like identity, my the way probably that I saw that I write songs, the way that I sing, the way that everything like yeah, it's ingrained in us. It it made us who we are as human beings. <laughs> so it's not like I said, it's nice to hear her sing them again and give attention to songs that she lets slip through the cracks that we love. But that's mm. pretty much the main appeal for me but okay so yeah sparks fly was a little weak and weird one of the things that i wanted to point out about sparks fly that i didn't really like is after that first chorus when she says uh when she starts the second verse and she sings my mind forgets to remind me and then the drum kicks and she goes you're a bad idea that drum just doesn't hit as hard like that is a i picture taylor on this weekend on tour like waving her hand and mike i think and amos are behind her because they came up to play guitar with her and then she does that and they turn and walk away mm-hmm. behind her. And it's like such a hard drum kick. Well, on the tour it, just... it really is. But even in the original song. And it was like that on tour because it was like that in the song. And it was just a little more subtle in the re-recording and I just didn't like that. And her vocal, the emotion's just not there. Like it's not as, the angst is kind of gone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Same with Haunted. Yeah, she does not sound haunted in Haunted. <laughs> like her vocals sound amazing. And this is so funny because especially after she said on the Ares tour when she sang Haunted as a surprise song recently, she was like, this was one of my favorites. Oh, I was like, please. oh my God, is she going to go in on this song? She didn't. She never ever so. acknowledges this song. <laughs> like her vocals do sound amazing, but she just didn't. Weirdly, sometimes I thought her vocals sounded worse. <laughs> like there were some little notes that she did. I was like, that does not sound right. It sounded like she was more in control back then. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Mean, because Kaya and I noticed that uh, in the pre-chorus of Mean, when she says, you can't lead me down that road and you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. The second pre-chorus, she does like, you don't know what you don't know. Well, it's just a no. And then in the re-recording, she does this little like, she tries to do like a little run that sounds really, really polished and technical. She's like, no. (laughs) And it just sounds very wrong. And it's kind of a metaphor for her image these days and like how she tries to present herself just so you know every little thing is has been checked by like 50 people and like you know it's Mm. it's just not the natural raw emotion that she had when she was making speak now but i wanted to say on mean i was that was probably the one that i was most nervous for just because her country accent is so present on that song and i was like even if she does try to like phone it in, it might sound really phoned in and not good. And if she doesn't do it, I'm going to be really pissed that it's not there. And I think she did like a really good balance. But that one note, like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. And you have superstars on here. I didn't really have anything that like would replace. There was nothing that would replace the original for me. But there were songs that I was like, yeah, this I didn't. This didn't make me think, ooh, this is a re-recording, you know? Yeah, that's how I feel about these because I don't feel like any of these songs 
really outshined the original. Maybe I will change my mind with time. Maybe that will change as I listen to these songs more because we've only had them for a couple days. Maybe as I listen more, especially like listen with headphones and just really take it in, maybe that will change. But right now, none of the re-recordings are replacing these songs for me. As they shouldn't. (laughs) But I do just want to call out the ones that I think she did the best. Like the Mm -hmm. re-recordings on Speak Now of the original tracks that sound the best. Back to December sounds so good. What did you think about that one? Didn't really stand out in my mind, but that's probably a good sign because there was nothing bad about it, at least. <laughs> was it in Back to December where she like sounded really weird? I saw. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's a totally modern Taylor thing to do. She she does that so much since Reputation, like on Lover, Rep, and Midnight's. She does these little notes. It's like, uh, you know, it's a little Lana, mm-hmm. a little Lana influenced. And um, interesting, mm-hmm, very interesting. Why well, put that on back to December? That's just not how Taylor, young little Taylor, would sing. She's not trying to go, mm. <laughs> it was yeah. odd, it sounded a little odd. Yeah, so there was one mishap <laughs> on back to December. <laughs> yeah, it was just, why did you do that? I thought Speak Now sounded amazing, and I saw so many people being like, oh my god, Speak Now Taylor's version had no, there's no reason that it went off so hard. It's like, the, song the original is good. song went off so hard. That's like, the I don't other know. thing. Like, all these people realizing that songs are good through Taylor's versions of them makes absolutely <laughs> no sense to me unless you've never listened to them before. Or you've only listened to them, if you do that thing that I think a lot of people nowadays do, which is they just literally, like binge music and don't actually take it in at all (laughs) especially with taylor's music like the people who only listen to taylor swift music well that's scary scary, like that's concerning well like because i feel like you can't appreciate her music if you're not listening to other music too i just just don't see how you exist as a human being if you only listen to one artist like that's weird (laughs) but anyways that I, i meant like young fans who like maybe get like really hyper fixated on taylor on tiktok or something and then they just have Mm -hmm. to listen to all her music so they just binge everything or just like people who don't take it in because you have you had to have only listened to that song a few times in your life and probably like not really paying attention to realize that that's not a good song like or to realize that that's a good song or to not realize that that's a good song (laughs) third time's a charm Yeah, and that's what I think that is coming from. Because no fans that have been around as long as we have are being like, guys, Taylor's version made no, me realize. No, I have seen, I have seen ooh, people ooh. on Twitter who are that's like, shocking. oh my god, this song goes. They'll they tend to do that for my favorites, like <laughs> Speak Now, Innocent, Superman. So I think the problem with that is these people listen to Speak Now and they had their immediate favorites. And they just haven't been revisiting the songs that weren't their immediate favorites with an open mind. They weren't just listening and like letting their brain refathom these songs at different points because different songs will mean something to you at different points in your life. Mm -hmm. Like when Speak Now first came out, I was really big on Enchanted and Long Live. Like those were two of my favorites on this album. And obviously I still love those songs. But over time, Superman has become like just a consistent favorite for me. And so I just feel like people don't let themselves listen to the album with an open mind it's just the and way enjoy engage these songs. With music nowadays is way different. Yeah. And it's just no one listens, no one just puts on a CD anymore. And just listens to the whole album. Yeah, and not just once, but repeatedly. Like that's how they listen to music. Maybe I'll give Speak Now another try today. Like, you know? 
Mm-hmm. That's how you live and learn and love <laughs> these songs. That's how you let these songs grow with you. And then that's why mm-hmm. now, like, I still usually listen to the album in full because it's meant to be that mm-hmm. way. Obviously, if I'm in the mood for a specific song or, like, if I add the album to a playlist or something, it's just times are changing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't get a Taylor's version making you appreciate a song. That's crazy. There's no excuse for that. <laughs> Another superstar, I think Innocent sounded amazing. I was really scared that because of the inspiration for that song and because nobody has ever appreciated that song i was just worried that she was going to butcher it and she didn't and so that is why it is a superstar to me because i'm just thankful that she seemed to really do it justice and the and the bridge the ha 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 like that sounded really good and i was just pleased that she didn't just fuck it up I thought Superman sounded really good. The only thing I really didn't like about Superman was in the bridge when she says, um, she says something and when she says me, she goes like, yeah, yeah, at the end of it. And in this one, she just sings, she just sings like me. I don't think she says, yeah, but she's like, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. She's, she emphasizes the uh syllable instead of the e syllable. That's just something that I really miss. And I did love Superman. I thought she did an amazing job with it. It was very close to the original. But that one change, just like, mm, I will be singing the me, yeah. <laughs> like, I will be singing that. Now, let's get into a very specific category of songs that are both flops and superstars at the same time. And this category is specifically made for one song. Any guesses? Anybody? To me, it's just a flop. <laughs> Better than revenge. Let's just first address the lyric change. He was a moth to the flame. She was holding the matches. Criminal. My friend Megan asked me this question, and so I'm posing it to you as well, Kaya, and to you listening to the episode right now. Which is worse, the Better Than Revenge lyric change or Taylor not putting it this was a movie on Speak Now TV? I mean, it's both. It's the same problem for both. Is that she rewrites history <laughs> and she doesn't have any respect or appreciation for the past that got her where she is. It doesn't. Honestly, neither of them really affect me in the long run because I'll just be listening to the original. <laughs> but they're equally. They're the same problem. I think it's probably worse to change a lyric though. Like if I had no option, and if I if she literally like erased the originals from history, I mean they're both be pretty evil. And it's not a bad lyric on its own, but it does not fit in this context of the song at all. It does not hard hitting. And just the principle of the thing, she should not have changed a lyric from a song that she wrote Mm -hmm. when the whole goal of this project was to re-record and own the original work. And this, I've said it so many times, she cannot stand any blemishes on her image. She has to make it perfect. And it's just, (sighs) when do your morals come in? Your morals come in when you're re-recording a song you wrote when you were 19 years old that is a little anti-woman. That's when your morals come in. <laughs> but not when you're dating a racist. <laughs> well, he's way more, he says way more problematic things than this. That's what's so crazy. Exactly. Exactly. And not when you're gouging your fans for money when you're already a billionaire. Hmm. They'll see your morals then. <laughs> when a fucking itchy cardigan goes from $49 to $70, we have a problem on our hands. God. 
I feel quite strongly that she should not be trying to rectify the song she wrote as a teenager. The whole thing with Taylor's songwriting is that it's not about her feelings being the right or the correct ones to have. It's about her expressing them honestly and the catharsis that that brought to her in the moment of writing it and the catharsis that that brought to everyone who then listens to these songs. And it's not just Taylor, it's art. So I will never yeah. be listening to that. I said it. If she just changed the lyric, I will never listen to that song. And I never will. <laughs> it's so annoying to me, though, because she did go really hard throughout the whole song. But then changing that line just completely ruined it for me. And then Except also the I wanted to specifically <laughs> call out that, that in the bridge, she says, I'm just another thing for you to roll your eyes and honey. She says it like so weird, honey. Yeah, she says it like, like she's a, trying to say honey, but in the in the original song, she she just sounds natural and normal saying it. You know, she's like honey. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, she tries she to give it like personality, endearing. but <laughs> honey, <laughs> it guys, it's not a type woman. <laughs> I'm calling her honey. <laughs> it's so funny. I was talking to my friend Michaela, and she was like, "The whole song is her calling this woman a whore." So yeah. like changing that one lyric doesn't. Exactly. Do what you think it's doing. Exactly. And even that line itself of he was a moth to the flame, she was holding the matches, that's still putting blame on the woman. Yeah. I mean, you might be giving this, like, okay, she's trying to say he was a moth to the flame. Like, she's trying to, like, put some responsibility on him, but it's like she was holding the matches. So if she hadn't been holding the matches, he wouldn't have been a moth to the flame and then he would have stayed with me. Like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't even fix the song. And honestly, to say he's a moth to the flame is like saying that men have no control over their actions. <laughs> it's just stupid. She shouldn't have done it. And I'll never be okay with that. <laughs> I am happy that she went really hard in the rest of the song. But she couldn't back it up. No, she couldn't. Like Kayla so. Williams does. <laughs> Take notes. Yes, and I I really thought that she, like her having Haley on the vault, part of the motivation for that or like a benefit of that was just that she could attach better than revenge and like put it in the same category as misery business. Haley plays misery business on tour and has reclaimed that song because it's a fun song. Mm -hmm. Better than revenge is a fun fucking song. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of put her billion dollars where her mouth is. (laughs) Before we get into the vault, if you're enjoying this episode and aren't currently driving, give the podcast a five-star review and hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed and following the podcast. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. Let's get into the vault. First song on the vault, Electric Touch featuring Fall Out Boy. What did you think, Kaya? I love this song. It feels like it totally belongs on Speak Now. The lyrics aren't as strong, obviously, as all the other songs on Speak Now, so it makes sense why it was left off, but it's a very fun song. I love Fall Out Boy. I love the Fall Out Boys in the song. And it feels very classic Speak Now, like it's instrumental production and electric guitar. Electric Touch was produced by Aaron Dessner. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't think, and I love him and his work, but I just don't think he should have produced any Speak Now songs. Or Jack. I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like none of these vault tracks feel like a classic Aaron or like a classic Jack song to me. It makes me think that when we get these vault songs and they, like, don't you, perfect example. That wasn't Jack making that song sound different. That was Taylor asking for that sound and that production, you know? Yeah, Taylor's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And she knows that. She's the one who chose to have these producers instead of, you know, trying to be more true to the album. But it's not even about these producers, but it's like asking these producers to make them sound a certain way. Because she has control over that, ultimately. Mm -hmm. 
they can they can they could have gone more speak now if they had wanted to mm-hmm. but she didn't want that um my favorite line in this song is i'm trying hard not to look like i'm trying that is just such a great taylor lyric and it also just feels very speak now taylor to me mm-hmm. and i feel like Fall Out boy is very seamlessly they just seamlessly fit into the song i feel like the first verse is more descriptive than the second verse of electric touch there's something about that that I want to say that I will say at the end of the vault. So just throw that out there. When Emma falls in love, this was Aaron produced. How do you feel about that? I thought the piano was gorgeous. Yeah, I like the song a lot. The piano is very like Elton John sounding to me, like the Beatles piano. It's very different from a lot of piano we hear on Taylor's songs. I really liked it. Yeah, I like the chorus a lot, too. I like how it develops over the course of the song. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember which songs sound airy, which songs have, like, the little, like, you know, drum machines and stuff and, like, synth. I know that um, House of Crumbling had that, but, like, I don't I don't like that at all. That stuff doesn't belong on Speak Now. I don't remember which ones it's on, though. I think Castle's Crumbling definitely has that. It definitely does, but I think other ones do, too. I like this song a lot. It's very storytelling, typical Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. And it's I can just totally see Speak Now Taylor writing this because she literally wanted to be Emma Stone and their friendship was so cute. There's that, like, there was literally an interview of Taylor when she was doing, like, I think it was Taylor Swift answers the box questions from, like, Vivo or something. They're like, if you could be anyone else, who would you be? And she was like, Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. That part where she goes, I'm learning. That sounds so fearlessy. Like, I still mm. leave, baby. Oh, uh, I can totally hear that, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's a very classic Taylor song, and I love it. I love the she won't lose herself in love the way I did. Mm-hmm. The melody is really pretty. Very classic Taylor. The admiration that she shows for her friend. Mm-hmm. I love when Taylor writes about her friends. Mm-hmm. In, in any capacity Such an underrated type of song. I don't know. This is like just a gem. And I feel like I was kind of nervous for this one. Just the title. I was like, I don't know if that sounds very speak now to me. But I actually really love this one. So I'm very happy with it. Next we have I Can See You, which immediately blew our minds because what? <laughs> when did Taylor write this song? And you know what? Everyone's always surprised that she wrote this song, but I'm not surprised about the lyrics at all. The only thing no. I'm surprised about is the melody and how the, how it sounds because she's never written a song like this ever. <laughs> That's This is one of the ones that I'm like, I would love to hear what the original demo mm-hmm. of this sounded like. It didn't sound like compare this. It. Let's be honest. <laughs> it sounded probably yeah. similar, but it definitely didn't sound this developed like as an alternative, almost alternative rock type of song. It's very like The Strokes meets Foster the People. I said The Strokes and Tame Impala wrote a Speak Now yes. song. <laughs> yes. It, like, it really feels like it would fit on our Speak Now era playlist really well, very mm-hmm. comfortably. Yeah, because she was definitely listening to the alternative late, late 2000s alternative music at this time. It almost gives me like young folks. And I love it. I was like, I am so happy that she did this. It does, it's mm-hmm. not something Taylor naturally would come up with, definitely. Well, she doesn't have about a, that. She's not an alternative girly. <laughs> I don't know about that. You don't know about that? Why doesn't she have any other songs that sound like it then? <laughs> I don't know. There are a lot of songs on Speaking Now that don't sound like any other songs that she has. I don't think so. <laughs> and this wasn't on Speaking Now. What other Taylor Swift song sounds like Haunted? A lot of other songs on Speak Now. <laughs> this song doesn't sound like the other Speak Now songs. Well, no, but I think if it had been put on Speak Now originally, I think it would sound like other Speak Now songs a bit more. But it, I don't know. I don't feel as strongly as you do that it sounds that different. 
Sounds I mean, Jeff produced this one, so I definitely she think that writes. she doesn't naturally write alternative rock. I mean, she was at this time. Well, <laughs> debatable. I've seen so many people, though, say, like, a 19-year-old didn't write that wrong. Yeah. You've clearly never been a 19-year-old girl because that mm-hmm. is exactly something a 19-year-old girl would write. Yeah. I told the, I said this to Kaya. The horniest songs I've ever written were when I was, like, 19 and 20 <laughs> years old. Like, that's when you come into your sexuality and you start exploring that. And she was, like, more unabashed. Although... A little abashed because mm-hmm. she kept it off the yeah, original album. A lot abashed. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I just I fully disagree with everyone who's like, 19-year-old Tessa did not it's write weird. this. It's weird. It's weird to act like a 19-year-old person wouldn't be having these thoughts. It's not even that scandalous. Yeah. It's just like no. very basic thoughts. <laughs> but I love, love this one. This is a real highlight to mm-hmm. me from the vault. Yeah, it's one of the best. Next, we have Castles Crumbling featuring my love, Haley Williams. Um, How do you feel about the Jack production on this? He shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. And it sounds... I I like the melody a lot because obviously I think that's what she originally Mm -hmm. wrote. That's why it sounds Speak Mm -hmm. Now. It sounds very Speak Now. Especially the chorus. The chorus more than the verses. The production, though, it has those little drum, like electronic drums. And it's just like, no, no, no. But um, yeah, Haley... Uh, Haley can absolutely dominate anything she's given, but she was not given very much. And that's my problem with this. She gave her, like, not even a full verse. She didn't even get to do, like, the pre-chorus. She sounded amazing. But the, honestly, the best part of the song for me is Haley's background vocals when she's like, ah, mm. ah. so, so beautiful. And it's only, like, five seconds. And she never even, she brings it back in the end, but it's basically drowned out in the mix by Taylor's background vocals. <laughs> Oh, what is her problem? <laughs> She's afraid of being outshined by Haley Williams. <laughs> <laughs> the break in Taylor's voice when she says, never wanted you to hate me. Yeah. Before the last chorus hurts me. It hurts me so deeply. This song is just very, like, lyrically and melodically. It is very speak now. And I think we honestly, Kaya, need to do a whole episode similar to our She Is Midnight Rain episode. Like, we need to do a whole episode on the castles crumbling to nothing new to Dear Reader Pipeline and not just those songs, but like all the songs in Taylor's discography that kind of follow this theme and follow that progression of seeing the faults in herself and no longer like not liking to be put on a pedestal. I, I have so much to say about that that I feel like I can't even like get really yeah. into it right now because we just don't have time. So that episode might come after our Folklore and Lover breakdown episodes. Once we get those out for those album anniversaries, I think we need to discuss that heavily mm-hmm. especially because taylor put the dear reader reference in mm-hmm. this album prologue like it's there's a lot to unpack there okay the next track and what i think might be my personal favorite mm. of the vaults foolish one aaron produced this and i think he did an incredible job this song is so speak now and she really channeled speak now taylor vocally if you think about the concept to speak now of taylor just being brutally honest and very vivid and descriptive expressing her feelings when she felt like she didn't in the moment and that whole thing that she used to always say like there was this uh like archival 2010 speak now era interview that entertainment tonight put on youtube the day speak now tv came out and i might link that in the show notes for you guys to go watch it but she talked about how like I, I don't even really know how I feel until I write a song about something, which she has said so many times, but it was just really cool to watch 
a video of Taylor in the Speak Now era talking about Speak Now that I have never seen with the context of having just heard Foolish One because this song is her speaking now to herself. Mm-hmm. Like it's her inward trying to talk to herself and trying to be honest with herself. But you get that like, okay, so this is, I know this, but I know that I'm also going to just keep repeating these patterns and then mm-hmm. keep repeating these cycles until I really learn my lesson the hard way for whatever final time that will need to be. I just, and I think that's so interesting. I love the chorus of this song. It sounds so pretty. The um, mm-hmm. confessions of love that melody is so pretty. The only thing that throws me off with this song is it's the you can take the long way, you can take the long mm. way down. Foolish. It has like a, it's like an off tempo type thing that it does. It's like the, what's it called? The beats in a measure, like switches or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do like, it's just off. It's weird. And I don't know how I feel about it. It makes it like throws me off a little bit. But overall, I like this song a lot. And it's a very cute song. It's it's cool to hear Taylor saying that to herself. She has this like romanticized image of everything back in this time. And she's like, mm-hmm. you're so foolish. This is her like <laughs> fighting with that. Yeah. Like noticing, this was kind of the first time she was like noticing her Becoming own patterns and cycles. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just lyrically, this fits in really well thematically with a lot of songs on Speak Now. Okay, our last fault track, Timeless. This was Jack produced. This song was crazy listening to this the first time. <laughs> yeah. This was a journey. She had those rambling verses that she does a lot nowadays. Mm, yeah. I like the lyric, something in my head said stop, so I walked in. Because it's really playing on that idea of fate. And that's a common theme in the album. I don't I don't know how I feel about this I need to listen song. to it more. This is the one I've listened to the least of the vault tracks, probably. The lyric video on YouTube shows pictures of her grandparents. So this is what I'm confused about. It feels very Speak Now Taylor. Like right in about going into an antique shop. and She was so obsessed with vintage things in that interview. where She's like, I just got my new apartment (laughs) and I'm decorating it with like all these old things. Like this old birdcage. It's like, it's very Taylor. I can totally see like that Taylor or like the Taylor who just moved into an apartment is going antique shopping. I could see her sitting down and writing this one day. But mm. lyrically, I mean, I just I think as a whole, it is a weak or song. Um, and it, the lyric where she's like the 1400s or whatever, that just sort of <laughs> takes me out of it. I'm like, what? Why are you writing about the 1400s? Yeah. <laughs> and to say the 1400s is just, there's nothing poetic about saying, imagine we're in the 1400s, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's a yeah. little bit of that, um, it's, it reminds me of the lakes a little bit where she tries to like, bring like modernity with like all these old things but she does it a little with more a little a little more tact on the lakes to where she does it in this which makes sense but yeah i like it's a very taylor song it's it's not one of her strongest types of songs but it's it's very taylor nonetheless which i appreciate mm. i like the uh i don't know what purpose this part of the song has in the song like i don't know if this is a verse or a pre-chorus. But when she says, that's when I came upon a book covered in cobwebs, story of a romance torn apart by fate hundreds of years ago. They fell in love like we did. And I die for you in the same way. That is very Romeo Juliet. Mm-hmm. This being on Speak Now, coming after Fearless, coming after Love Story. That I like. I think that's very cute, very endearing. And the the context of this song being kind of similar to Love Story, but 
also very different. I don't know. Like this is a this is, song is a question mark to me in a lot of ways. I will need more time with it. We would have been timeless. <laughs> okay. Uh, talking about the vault overall, Kaya, you said the other day, like I have a very clear favorite and a very clear least favorite. My least favorite is timeless. I favorite upon first hearing, and I didn't mean like overall favorite. I mean like my immediate favorite upon hearing it, just because I can see you. I love the alternative rockness to it, but I'm already kind of getting sick of it. <laughs> it's. I feel like I played it a little too much, and plus the music video, I've listened to it too much, and I knew that that would happen because songs that are earworms immediately are also the ones I get sick of easily. I've been listening to Castles Crumbling. It's so funny it's been out for two days, but like now I'm on to Castles Crumbling. Listen to that a little more. <laughs> And um, when Emma falls in love, that's why I'm a big proponent of, is that the right use of that word? Of listening mm-hmm. to things in order and all together, especially the first like good chunk of time you have it because then you single out, you naturally want to single out songs and leave out other songs. And mm-hmm. that's just not a good way to get to know music. So I think my top three would be, I can see you when Emma falls in love and I'm not sure about that third one. We'll see. I need to listen more. But my least favorite is Timeless, just because I don't see myself going back and listening to it very much, as much as the others. I think it's a very Taylor Swift song, but it is probably also my least favorite. That might change with time. I'm not holding myself to that. Foolish one is probably my favorite, but it's really hard for me to even name like a second favorite because I feel like the rest of them, I just, I need more time with them. But um, Foolish one is just like, I can tell when a Taylor song on an album just there's just like a connection that I get mm-hmm. with it. It's like how I felt about I Wish You Would when 1989 first came out. It wasn't even my favorite, but it was like I just kept wanting to revisit it and revisit it. And it just grew on me. And Foolish One is like, there's just something mysterious about it that keeps mm-hmm. pulling me. And then it's like, hmm, I can just feel this. It's going to become a favorite. songs for me. That's why I, I'm very, I'm pleased with the vault. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, yeah. they're not her strongest, which makes sense because, I mean, look at the material we have. I mean, there had to be mm-hmm. something that was cut, but I really enjoy them all. Which brings me to my next point, because I saw someone say that the Speak Now vault doesn't feel as Speak Now as like the red vault felt very red. And then it made me think about that interview that I was talking about a second ago that was just posted that I'd never seen of Taylor talking about Speak Now. And she was talking about how she spent so much time like writing these songs and rewriting these songs and really honing them in until she had felt like she was undeniably proud of them. Those are the words Mm -hmm. she used. And I felt like because she had made that choice to write it by herself and she was so scared probably or nervous about like, this has my name on it only. And so if people don't like it, if it's not good, then I'm the only one that you can point to. And so I think that because Taylor spent so much time Mm -hmm. looking so closely at the songs that she had decided were going to make the album and really making those as perfect as they could possibly be and making sure she said everything that she absolutely needed to say on the tracks that made the album, Mm -hmm. it makes sense why the vault tracks aren't as descriptive and vivid. She didn't put all that time into them. Yeah, they weren't. She didn't sit with them for as long. She probably realized like after she wrote Electric Touch, she was probably like, yeah, okay, I've outwritten this. So like mm-hmm. that one's yeah. not going to be on the album. And so just didn't get as much time with it. Mm-hmm. But I think you can look at these tracks and see they're very Speak Now Taylor, but they're not as... Just because Speak Now is full of masterpieces from top to bottom because she didn't stop writing until she had a full album of masterpieces. And then she didn't stop working on those songs until they mm-hmm. lived their fullest extent. 
And these songs yeah. obviously were left behind way before she got into that process of making all these masterpieces. And that's why they were left mm-hmm. off, which makes sense. It reminds me of like Run. I feel like Run on Red would fit into that category where it's just a weaker concept and she kind of left it off before she got into the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. But then we have songs like Nothing New and Forever Winter. And I'm like, how did she even... And I bet you think about me, it's like, why would you even leave these off? Like, that's... And, and, and that's an interesting territory because... Especially <laughs> when songs like Stay, Stay, Stay made the album. Exactly. But I think for that, we can... She just wanted to put happy songs on the album because she felt like... She's probably nervous that it was too many heartbreak songs. Like, I get that. That's probably what that was. But still, mm-hmm. it's like, you've outwritten that I have with some songs that you have left off the album. Yeah. I still feel like nothing new. There's something about that. I think the bridge she might have written modern times. <laughs> I'm I'm having trouble it's placing okay, the bridge. In my her, it's a fee. I think she wrote that after Beanie Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't have said it's a fever dream. That's a very I modern thing to say. I don't know. She might have replaced that word, but I feel like she. But did it rhymes with seventeen. It, it's just the bridge of that is very the lucky one to me. That's like the whole concept of the lucky one is she becomes the person that replaces this woman who got the hell out. Yeah, it just seems I don't think she didn't write it back then. I just think she elevated it more, Mm. but made it better than it was. But I feel like for these songs, she kind of left them how they naturally were more. Mm. She didn't put like a little modern perspective, a little modern take on it. That is something that is so compelling and mysterious to me about the vault tracks in general is that we don't know what form these songs came yeah. to us in compared to what form they were in when she found them in the vault, mm-hmm. so to speak. I did just want to say that the vault tracks, The Foolish One, and When Emma Falls in Love really add more context to where Taylor was at romantically on Speak Now. Not that we didn't already know these things, but they just, they're just like new installments of the same story that we know. Feeling like Taylor was unlucky in love and looking at her friends making the right decisions and being rewarded in love and feeling frustrated by her cycles that she couldn't get out of or frustrated just by having to keep experiencing heartbreak over and over and it feels like very like she fleshes out all the different shades of being this age that's what it feel like the vault tracks do and it's not that we didn't already know that she was feeling this way because she gives us all of those stories on the album but these are just like just different perspectives on it. Just different little moments of that emotion or that feeling. Yeah. And more like the never like. up perspective, which is like how she's feeling in the moment. Like what she's struggling with. That's what like Foolish One reminds me of. And like, mm-hmm. when Emma falls in love, it's still like about another person, but she relates it to herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels not as like grand. Like Dear John is a huge statement that she has to, she felt the need to make. Like these are a little less like uh, urgent, but they're in more casual which i like you need a little bit of that overall i'm really happy with the vault i really mm-hmm. like this it's very consistent especially compared to fearless like as we've said those were not fearless vaults the fearless vault was the platinum tracks <laughs> so just really happy with these okay let's talk about kansas city so she sang long live i don't think it's on the set list i think it was just for this weekend but she sang long live with the koi fish guitar in a purple, fluffy, pastry-shaped gown. Mm-hmm. And she brought the agency up. Uh, like she did her. on the Speak Now tour. Yes, and it, it was, was beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was beautiful. And now we are going to watch 
the I Can See You music video and share our commentary. Uh, 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 uh. I love the thumbnail. Mm. It's so cool. I love the little green tint. It's very Twilighty, which is funny because Taylor Lautner. <laughs> Did you see that tweet that was like, Olivia and Taylor are low-key having a Twilight off right now? <laughs> I was like, why doesn't everyone feud like this? <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, can you see this? Mm-hmm. I and just really need to know why it's 1.38. Do you think that's just because that's the time because they would finish at 1.58? That doesn't make sense. You would just have it as 1.58. If you're going to have a time in the music video, you might as well just put it as 1.58. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, that mysterious shot of her lips. I love this shot of Joey walking by herself. Mm-hmm. It like fills me with excitement and urgency because mm-hmm. I know what it is, but I can't see also, her yet. Also, Preston's makeup was so pretty. I love the little stars on her. Yes, and the three... Mm-hmm. Three stars specifically. Very cute. Oh, and the it's reveal so when she takes her legendary. hat off. We also watched Ramona and Beezus the night before this came yes. out, so that was awesome. Oh, and when her face lights up in purple, purple. it's just... Electric touch. <laughs> All the tallies on the walls. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she has, I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you on her arm. Yes, okay, wait. I saw a tweet that someone said... Like, imagine debut Taylor just locked mm-hmm. in this vault by herself, waiting to be unlocked, that. probably at the very end. And that made me so sad. We will come and get her. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Just lying around in that vault. <laughs> That's so bad blood. This whole video has a lot of bad blood feeling to it. And mm-hmm. a lot of Look What You Made Me Do. Yes. I honestly think this is the only video she's made since Look What You Made Me Do that even rivals and comes close to the like iconicness and nostalgia of look what you made me do nothing can ever dethrone that one but this is the only one that even comes close why does she have black nail polish she doesn't she has purple it's just the lighting i think taylor loves a shot of her lips doesn't she (laughs) joey's makeup is so cool when the lights come on and light up all of these old speaking Mm -hmm. outfits and joey just looks so sad (laughs) and he's like (laughs) i love when taylor was just like sorry (laughs) it's so funny oh my god all of these outfits it just really hurts me and he looks so protective over it they they do they look so sad and like oh she's like look this is me Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh and he puts a hand on her her shoulder and like comforts her it is (laughs) these guys running in is so funny to me they do not look serious at all (laughs) I love that he did his own stunts. It's, I know. It's weird to me that it's the Taylor's version cover, though. It's like, why are you looking yeah. at that? <laughs> she hit them with the banjo. Something about watching Taylor Lautner, like, doing all of this is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it's what he I... said he would do on SNL to Kanye. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Just something about the, like, genuine, sincere, yes. loyal He's so sincere. love that he has for her is, like, kind of attractive to me. <laughs> The bad blood briefcase <laughs> slap. I love that shot of Taylor throwing the ball around because she's just so fucking bored. Where'd she get a ball? <laughs> That's what I, was I don't know. I know. <laughs> so random. Uh, what an iconic duo. That unexpected duo. <laughs> I know. And I love that she's like literally in a vault. I know. Aw. She looks so baby with her curly hair. I miss her curly hair so much. And the three explosives, mm-hmm. the three purple <laughs> explosives that they put on this vault. Yeah. And this look after he like activates this bomb, he looks over like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this look from her with the blowtorch. <laughs> Ramona's always up to her old tricks. Oh my god. 
<laughs> You're such a pest. <laughs> Blow that shit up. She comes out going, uh, uh, uh. Oh my God. <laughs> and the look that, oh, the slow motion of them looking at each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get full body chills. Goosies. <laughs> She's such a funny runner. I know. This makes me so sad. The end of this with them running out through the rest of the video hurts my feelings. I know. Because it's like they got her, but... They have to leave everything else. They're destroying all this other stuff. She like she keeps turning back and be like, no, no, it's mm-hmm. all blowing up. And then her looking back. We will discuss that. Oh, I have like, so much on. to say. She's like, no. And going off to 1989-ville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so great music video. Very, very pleased with it. We just need to talk about Taylor looking back at the exploded building of all of her past work, her past memories. That's how I feel about this re-recording process. It's like, why are you replacing my childhood? <laughs> it's, I mean, I think it's, I like that it shows that because, mm-hmm. yes, Taylor has is getting her music back and she gets to own it, but it doesn't take away how sad it is that this has happened to her in the first place and that she's gotten her music back, but she's still lost a lot of other things that she doesn't own. It represents the fact that her, she felt like her memories that inspired these music that she lived in while making and recording and releasing and touring this music was stolen from her too. This video was starring Taylor Lautner, Joe King, and Presley Cash. Uh, if you didn't know, Joey King and Presley Cash were in the Mean music video, and Taylor Lautner, obviously, we know his relevance to this. <laughs> I don't know, something about this music video. She's acknowledging Speak Now and how nostalgic and iconic it was, and how such a pivotal moment for her and for us, and her and us together it was. I loved how, so all of her albums, I guess, are waiting, sitting here and waiting, and and Joey and Taylor were like, well, we have to go get Speak Now because that's our album, you know? Like, yeah. That's the one we are defending, that we defend, and that's the one that's special to us, which is really sweet. And, like, that's what we would do. <laughs> we were like, um, sorry, 99, we're going to go get Speak Now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I like that she used, because she said that this video was representative of her reclaiming her work, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a metaphor of her reclaiming her work and how we've helped her do that. Mm-hmm. And to have Joey King in particular, like I mentioned this earlier, but to have Joey King be the first person you see doing this mm-hmm. and going to unlock Taylor and free her from the vault. And the fact that Joey's role in the mean music video that she was originally in was to kind of represent all the young girls that uh, grew up with Taylor and that Taylor kind of like gave them something to hold on to and that Taylor made them feel understood when they didn't feel understood. And the fact that Joey's older and you get to see her, like, you helped me, now I'm going to help you, is just mm-hmm. really beautiful yeah. and makes me cry. Mm-hmm. And I love, too, that she has a, a music video for a vault song that kind of represents why she has vault songs in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It is a weird choice of a song. I feel like it only works because, like, the it feels very, like, sneaky, <laughs> you know? But when you listen to the lyrics, you're like... <laughs> well, when she says something about, like, I could be your secret mission... Yeah. Feeling-wise, it fits. I think of all the vault songs, that was a good choice, probably. She wanted it to be a vault song. I think that was a good one to go with. And then, so for night one, Taylor premiered the video, brought out uh, Taylor, Joey, and Presley. Tay, Tay, and he did (laughs) backflips. Backflip? 
kills me. He was like, it just felt right. Just felt right. (laughs) He's so sweet. His inner shark boy came out. It makes it so much funnier now to remember the TikTok he posted where he was like praying for John. (laughs) They're literally friends and they probably like talked about that. I wonder whose idea that was. Probably his. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just love that they're friends. That makes me so happy. And then the surprise songs. I can't believe Never Grow Up. Because Never Grow Up, I sobbed when I listened to Taylor's version of that. Just because I saw mm. pretty much any time I listened to that song. That's why I don't frequent it. <laughs> Almost but, you changed the lyric just because you have to. Yes. Even though you have to. What the hell? You know I have to. Why would you say that when you know how I feel? <laughs> <laughs> and she premiered when Emma falls in love on the piano, mm-hmm. which I thought was beautiful. So fun. She did a Loved great job it. playing that arrangement. So then for night two, she sang Last Kiss and Dorothea. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> terrible, terrible news for me to wake up to this morning. And I yeah. haven't even watched a video of it yet because I, mm-hmm. it's a lot. I'm literally starting to cry just thinking about it. And here's the thing is I'm not even sad that I wasn't there because like, I'm not going to another show. <laughs> and it's not like that's just not happening. So I am just so happy that she sang it. It just hurts me because that song is so special to me. And it's another one of those songs that I love that nobody else likes. <laughs> I don't think nobody else likes it. I think it actually has some fans, but it, I feel like it might have taken a while. Mm. Like it wasn't one of the standouts that everyone was obsessed with. It was a standout for me. She is a superstar. Dorothea. Miss Dorothea. <laughs> love her with my whole heart. I feel like when Emma falls in love and Dorothea are connected in energy. Very much. Except Dorothea is much gayer to me than when Emma falls in love is. But that is just my perspective. (laughs) So another thing that I wanted to call out for night two is that Taylor said it is the first time she's released an album on tour. On the Eras tour, I'm pretty sure she said. Oh, well, that's even more more specific. (laughs) Interesting and... Suspicious. I just wanted to preface that by saying, I think even if she does not ever release another album on tour and did not have a plan to release another album on tour, I think that would be exactly how she would say that anyway, because like, that's true. It would be year first. But considering the fact that she is going to be on the Eras tour for another like year and a half, the odds of her releasing another album, specifically a re-recording, are pretty high. And especially because there was that 1989 TV sign above mm-hmm. the bridge when they left. We know 1989 is next. Yes, we know that. And so I don't really have any doubt that she will release 1989 on the air store. Now, mm-hmm. how soon she will do that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Could That's be. a whole other question. I've seen a lot of people say, like, she better not release that in the fall. 1989 is a summer album. And I just need to say this really quickly. That's ridiculous. I understand that. Are you aware like, of when it was released originally? <laughs> literally October. <laughs> and I get that everyone's like, 1989, Hot Girl Summer. It's my bop summer album. God, and like, stop, 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 stop. I <laughs> don't even say that as a joke. <laughs> that just bothers me so bad. Like, yes, 1989 is a bit summery, but it's actually not that summery. It's actually wintry to me. It's actually like fall and wintry to me. Because guess what? It came out. At the end of October, and I listened to it during that time when it originally came out. Did you? Can you say the same? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe you only found out about the album whenever Wildest Dreams and Style were on the radio in the summer. Maybe that's what it is. 
Maybe that's it. Ooh, burn. <laughs> she got you guys. Or not you guys, because our listeners are not in that category. <laughs> well, if you are, no offense. I'm just saying. Don't come around <laughs> saying it's a definitively summer album, because just because it's pop music doesn't make it a summer album. And mm-hmm. just because, I mean, it was released in the fall, guys. <laughs> like, I have, like, Shake It Off to me is very, like, August, like going back to school when it's like summer's mm-hmm. over and yeah. you're looking forward to fall, mm-hmm. and like the rest of the album is. I know fall places to me. is very fall. This love is very fall to mm-hmm. me. Clean is very fall. I wish it was very fall. Is very fall. Yeah, I can see style. Style is. I mean, style was a single in the summer. So when she releases singles months and months later, obviously there's going to be a new interpretation of the song in the summer, and the visuals are very summery looking, but. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Midnight's visuals are very 70s looking and see what we got with that. <laughs> it's just not like 1989 is not an album that I'm like, that's definitively a summary album. Whereas like Red is definitively a fall album. Yeah. But like 1989, yeah. no. No. If you just look at the album, I guess for new fans who weren't there, if you go back and look at it, you'd probably think, oh yeah, it probably is a summer album. But if you were there, you know that it's not. It can kind of be for any season. It's kind of, it's one of those albums that you can listen to in any season. Yeah, I don't really care when she releases it, but just for yeah. those people that are like, it has to be in the summer. It doesn't, though. No, it doesn't at all. She just did Speak Now in the summer, and Speak Now came out in the fall. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about this, like, Speak Now is wintry to me, but it's also just, like, a little summery. It's a little spring into summer. It has, the, like, a spring wedding, like I envisioned that during the Speak mm-hmm. Now song, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it works. I don't know why. I mean, July 9th, there's a reference of July 9th. Thanks for listening to this episode of Further Explanation. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review if you would be ever so kind. We love this community. We're so glad you are here. We will talk to you in the next episode, our Folklore Album Breakdown. We recorded this last week, was it? Last week? Mm -hmm. And we recorded for five hours. (laughs) I mean, it's folklore, you know? (laughs) I mean, yeah, we had a lot to say. So that episode's going to be either really long or it'll be split into two kind of long episodes. <laughs> so, but just know that the Folklore Album Breakdown is coming next. And then after that, we have our Lover Album Breakdown. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've made it this far, we love you. Hand hearts. Go out. <laughs> We're sending you hand hearts. Thank you for listening. Swipe your sisters out. <laughs>